Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode for Technology Uncorked. This show is brought to you by Navman. Now, I have to say that we're lucky in New South Wales that we can hit the road and go on road trips. Now, for those listening from Melbourne or other parts of the world where you're in lockdown, think about where you're going to go once you're allowed to head out. What's your first destination? And will you get there quickly and the most efficiently? And will you know exactly where you're going? Now, this is where Navman comes into the picture here because their GPS units, and I mean, they're starting from $139, which is not a lot of money for guidance that's not just going to tell you to turn left, it's going to give you landmark guidance. So turn left at the green service station. It's going to give you advanced lane guidance to make sure you're in the correct lane for when those roads split and when you need to take a different off turn. This is important stuff. And again, sometimes missing that turn can mean a much bigger delay to where you need to go. And when you've got a date, you don't want to be late. When you've got a booking, you don't want to leave them cooking. I can't keep rhyming, but guys, check them out from Navman. Don't get lost anymore. Uh, We've spent too much time in lockdown to be wasting time looking for directions. So check out navman.com.au and never get lost again. Today on the show, I am sipping on a double espresso because it's been an amazingly big week and I just need to keep going. And coffee is going to do that for me. To give you some context, like we do about wine, uh, this coffee has been made with a DeLonghi uh, Maestro machine, which is a fully automatic machine. And the beans that I'm using are actually Quattro, uh, Quattro coffee roasters. Yes, that's why I bought the packet, but they're actually really good beans. Um, they're, they're made out of, well, not made out of, but they're roasted in uh, Warrywood in the northern beaches of Sydney. So I don't know them. I've, I just bought them because the name was on, my, on the packet and I felt I had a connection there. And honestly, it's pretty good, pretty good uh, coffee, but it's going to keep me running. I swear that uh, this week, with the amount of news that's been going on, um, there is no amount of coffee that could have helped. It's honestly been bananas. Uh, and I'm looking forward to having a glass of wine before the week is over. Now, tonight, there is probably no um, guessing about what we're going to be talking about. Uh, Last week on the show, I gave you a bit of an update as to what we thought might be getting announced at the Apple event, the Apple event that no one wanted me to know about or that no one wanted to invite me along for any briefings about. But of course, we still got the news because of course, anybody in the world could. Now, we're going to talk about Apple, but we're actually going to talk about two other things first, a couple of bits of news. The first one is about OnePlus earbuds. If you've never heard of them, um, neither did the US Customs. We'll talk about that. And we're going to talk about the latest from PlayStation, the PS5. We've now got release dates and pricing. Uh, Last week it was Xbox, and this week it's PlayStation. So very, very excited. Let's go with the show. And yes, we're going to cover everything from Apple from A to B to Z. Uh, It's all going to be there. Buckle up, pour yourself a glass of wine, or make yourself a cup of coffee. This will be a fun one. All right. Now, first and foremost, uh, this was just a tweet that went crazy, um, but actually is very, very real. I'm looking at the official press release from the U.S. Customs and Border Protection. This is a real website. It's a .gov. It's the official U.S. website for Customs and Border Protection, where they seized counterfeit Apple AirPods. They seized heaps of them. Uh, 2,000, 2,000 counterfeit Apple AirPods. Now, you would normally say, well, that's, that's good. That's great. But when you look at the box, there's the brand called OnePlus. Not many people may have heard of that brand, and I'm guessing that the US Customs have never heard of that brand, but they are just a pair of 
you know, wireless headphones that OnePlus makes. And uh, they do look a little bit similar, similar to the Apple AirPods. And here is US Customs seizing them, uh, thinking that they're counterfeit product. Uh, that has to be the biggest slap in the face for these brands that are making so many products that look a lot like Apple products. Now, this one has more of a rounded case compared to the sort of um, you know, matchbox case that, that Apple has. The buds, yes, they're all white. They do have the little stem as well. Uh, but we've seen plenty of other companies do very similar ones like this as well. You know, if you think about Huawei, um, Realme, there's been some very, very similar Apple AirPods. I'm surprised they weren't stopped for being counterfeit AirBuds, um, sorry, AirPods. And this is funny because uh, they, they tweeted it out as if it was an achievement. And they're talking about the amount of value that the suggested you know, retail price, if they were genuine, would have been $400,000. And you know, what a, a massive achievement this is for US Customs. And uh, OnePlus sort of just tweeted them back saying, give them back. <laughs> it's like, don't hold on to them. We need these. They're being shipped to the US for a reason. Um, absolutely hilarious. I'm assuming that they'll get released because it's just funny. But um, no, the, the press release is still on the US Customs Border Protection newsroom. They still think it's an achievement. I just think it's hilarious. Um, and actually, it's a bit of a spoiler alert. Next week, um, I actually have the managing director of OPPO, or OPPO Australia on the show. And I ask him very directly about a number of their products in the line that do look very, very inspired by Apple. And you'll have to tune in to hear what his response is to that is. Um, but I also asked him the same question. Do you think the US Customs and Border Protection would think that your products are counterfeit Apple AirPod products also? So tune in for that one. It's a fun, fun chat. Uh, Michael was actually a really awesome guest. And if you don't know anything about OPPO, uh, you're going to learn a lot about them in that interview. All right, console fans. Now, we had spoken about the Xbox last week. Um, I've got both. I have an Xbox and a PlayStation guy. For me, the consoles usually come back down to the games. Uh, so if I want to play, say, Grand Theft Auto, well, I know that that's on, on PlayStation. Uh, but when I want to play Forza, that's an Xbox game. So, you know, when, when for me, console decisions come back down to well, what am I playing, um, the actual game. I couldn't care less about what the console is. I want it to have the games that I enjoy playing. But there are a lot of loyal fans on one side of the camp or the other. If you're team PlayStation, you now have a price and a release date for your next console. It's very exciting, but it's also unsurprising. So the Xbox Series X, to recap, was $749, and it will land in Australia on the 10th of November. They also have the Xbox Series S, which is going to be $499, which is their cheaper version. Sony, here we go, PlayStations, PlayStation 5, we're going to have a... Top of the line model at $749, the exact same price as the Xbox Series X, as well as a digital edition, which removes the disk drive, which is a uh, 4K Ultra um, you know, Blu-ray drive. That's being removed for an all-digital edition that will cost you $599. So if you want to save a bit, of, a bit of money and you don't think you'll ever go back to using disks, which is fine, uh, you can actually go ahead and get the cheaper version, which is pretty cool to see at $599 for that. So save $150 on the overall cost. However, you'll have to wait an extra two days. It'll be November 12th before that starts to hit stores. Now, pre-sales have already started. If you're listening to this, there's a pretty good chance that you've already missed the boat. Uh, pre-sales obviously were in a small quantity because they're already gone. Uh, Amazon is offering some. There may be a couple left while I'm doing this interview, not interview, this, um, this recording. Um, but have a look around. EB Games is trying to get stock. They're selling out on, pre on pre-sale as well. So it's obviously in high demand. Honestly, across the board, 
I'm surprised. At $749 for either console, I think they're both a pretty good price. I know that we used to pay far more than that, especially when you, when you adjust for timelines or over periods of time. That's actually a really good price. So $749, the PS5 lands November 12th. Let me know which one you're going to get. Are you a committed fan? Or again, are you like me and you wait to hear what game will come on launch so you know which console to buy so you can play? All right, we have to go into this area now. I did wake up at about 2.50 in the morning uh, to pull my laptop out of bed and uh, get started and actually watch the Apple event. This has to be one of the best things about virtual events is that uh, I don't need to travel. I don't even need to be invited to them. And I can actually watch everything I need from the comfort of my own home and get prepared to talk about them. Uh, it, was a, it was a big day. It was a big day for me. Uh, I have a day job, so I usually am fairly busy already between nine and five um, during the day. And when something like this happens and you're up at 3 a.m., I was on the phone to uh, 2CC in Canberra um, at 6 a.m. So event finished, and suddenly I've got my, my radio rounds to start doing, to start talking about what was just announced. Now, as much as you know, brands didn't, a particular brand didn't want me to talk about their own product um, by not you know, really giving me much of a briefing, uh, that day, we did three countries of coverage. So uh, there was Canberra, there was Brisbane, there was Melbourne, and these are major radio stations in, in their own states. Um, so we had those three. And then we did Singapore, uh, Channel News Asia, about a million listeners there. And then we went back to my parents' homeland and did a radio segment um, on Bay FM in Malta. And that was really awesome. Um, really, really awesome to be able to do that. So yeah, I mean, look, it was, it was fun to speak about uh, all the Apple news in, in all three countries. This podcast reaches even more than that, but um, I'm, not, I'm not too worried about where it goes. I'm just passionate about talking about it. Um, and now, now that all the news is out, we can start to really digest it and start to really start to think, well, what have they done and what does it really mean? And I think this is probably the biggest thing that people should be focusing on is the news is great. Anyone can go on the websites and, and read the news, but should you buy one? Should you go and rush out to, to get something? Um, and then my job is to compare them, is to go out, get the products, compare them with their competitors, and make sure that you make the right buying decision. That's my job. So let's go through what they announced. So first and foremost, um, Apple Watches. They opened the event by saying, no iPhone news today. So immediately, you went, okay, that's the end of that thought. iPhone 12 will probably be a month later or something worse than that. Um, and just on that too, guys. I asked Samsung because I wanted to double check. I said, how many phones or mobile devices have you released in 2020? And they said 20, 20 new mobile devices, varying screen sizes, some that fold, some that flip, um, 20. And we're waiting for Apple to announce one. Well, I guess two because the iPhone SE was announced earlier this year and it's effectively an already old product because it's an iPhone 8. Um, with some updated specs. Maybe this is why they didn't invite me to the stuff. Anyway, let's go on. They announced a new Apple Watch. Trust me, this isn't negative news. Uh, they announced a new Apple Watch. It actually comes in a couple of colors now as well. So you can get it in a blue and a red. This is the Series 6 we're talking about. I think the blue looks really, really sexy. And I can't wait to sort of see, see it in person. Uh, but they've also added the fact, a new sensor, that it can now measure um, blood oxygen levels. So this is really interesting from a health perspective. You know, measuring your heart rate is great. I think that's a, that's a standard. Um, but when you can measure blood oxygen levels and you can actually use both sets of data to, um, to correlate 
then you'll actually start to see potential for symptom identification or you know, what Apple's literally talking about potentially being able to give you early warning signs of COVID-19. I, whenever somebody says that they can detect COVID-19 or symptoms of it, I get very skeptical because I just don't think it's a smart thing to encourage people to wear a product because it might be able to test you for COVID-19. Because that's what people start to think. As soon as you mention COVID-19 in a sentence, um, people will want that product. Oh my God, you've got a cure or you've got a, a detection tool. The real way to get tested for COVID-19 is to line up in one of those drive-through booths, get the little stick up your nose and in your mouth and get tested. Um, as much as I love where technology can take us, you still got to see doctors. You still got to go and do the right thing. So um, I love the fact they're adding this sensor in. It's going to be interesting. It, the, the way it's going to change healthcare is more so that you'll be wearing these types of devices. And when you do go see a doctor and sit down and talk about things, they may actually say, would you mind sharing that historical data with us? So we can look at patterns, so that we can look at anything that may have, may have suddenly changed on a particular day. That's why this type of data logging is important, not to replace the doctor, but to actually help them. Um, when you go and see them, they only know what you're telling them and what they can see at that point in time. But when you've got these little data points here and there, and you know, heart rate's one, now you've got blood oxygen levels, this is stuff that people would use to help diagnose ill health. And that's a great thing. So that's what the, the Series 6 really has um, in its back pocket is a new sensor, um, a slightly larger display. I think it just gets closer to the edges on the, on the current bezel that it's got um, and, and the new colors. This isn't the kind of watch that you're um, going to ditch all of your existing Apple watches to buy. Um, but if you were new to smartwatches, this is a pretty good starting point. In Australia, this is going to cost you $600 though, not a cheap smartwatch. Um, but again, that's probably not Apple's, to, Apple's concern in, at this point in time. Now, the other great thing that they announced as part of this is that the Apple Watch can now be set up without owning an iPhone. And I don't mean that if you're an Android user that you can now use an Apple Watch independently. That's not really what I mean. What Apple's going towards with this is you have an Apple Watch because your child wants one. And if you've got kids or, in fact, if you've got elderly parents or something like that, and you want to be able to communicate with them, but not give them a smartphone, especially if you can't afford to give them a new iPhone or an iPhone at all. This is fantastic. So you can give them an Apple Watch. It needs to be a cellular version. It actually is going to support from iPhone, uh, so from Apple Watch Series 4 um, upwards. So Apple Watch Series 4 with cellular going up um, will support this new feature. And it means that if you're a parent and you've got an iPhone, you connect the watch with your phone, but then you turn on this family mode or something like that. And essentially what it will do is that you can program contacts on that watch that they can start to call you on because it is um, attached to a phone number. You can call them on it. They can call you. Same thing with texting. Um, again, you control the contacts and who they can and cannot um, talk to. You can also then do location tracking. So at any point in time, you can see where they are. You can get geofencing style alerts so that if they left school early, you could set up an alert for that. Um, but again, I, I relate this back to, to the elderly because we know that the Apple Watch has fall detection. And if they were to fall down and something happens, especially if they live alone, uh, fall detection will kick in, call emergency contacts or call emergency services if they're unresponsive. Um, but again, just that whole location tracking can be really good, especially if they suffer from illnesses where they're, where they're forgetful. Uh, and things like that. So a really nice feature for Apple to add in here. And I think it's great. The one thing I'll say um, as a con here is that Apple now sells three 
uh, Apple Watches. They have the Series 3 still on sale. They have the Apple Watch SE, which is a new model, which is effectively um, the Series 5 with some small changes, um, and the Series 6, which we've just spoken about. As I said, this feature, this new feature, doesn't support the Series 3. And that sucks because the Series 3 is what you would think is the affordable one. So if you need to buy an, an Apple Watch for your kids today, it is going to be the SE or the Series 6, and they're not cheap. So it's unfortunate that they've kept this bottom-of-the-line uh, model, which actually isn't very usable for kids, which is probably who it's targeted for now anyway. So a bit of a weird move by Apple on that front, but I guess that's just the way it is. The other thing that's important to note here is that Apple, um, in their environmental wisdom, is removing the USB power adapter from the case or the box of the Apple Watch. So if you bought an Apple Watch today, uh, one of the new models, you'll have your watch in the box, yeah, and you'll have a cord, which has the actual magnetic charger for the watch itself, but you'll need to find somewhere to plug that USB cord into. It could be an existing power adapter, it could be a computer, it could be whatever, but they won't be providing the brick that goes into the PowerPoint. Now, they're saying it's for environmental reasons. I respect that. You start to look at the range of the Apple Watch. And when you start to get into those models where it's the Hermes edition, where it's the more premium, fashionable models, um, they include the power adapter. So when you're happy to spend over a grand on the Apple Watch, then they'll give you the power adapter. But when you're spending $5.99, they won't for environmental reasons. And that's quite funny because I thought it was for environmental reasons. <clears throat> and if you were a person who had the money, then all the more reason to remove the power adapter because you can go and buy another one. So anyway, interesting move from Apple to do that. I do think it's an early warning sign for everybody around iPhone 12. Don't expect a power adapter in the box for that. Um, it does mean a couple of great benefits for Apple. It means that they can manufacture and box iPhones for any country um, as one SKU. They don't need to make a box that contains an Australian adapter or a US adapter or a European adapter. They just make an iPhone, chuck in a USB cable and ship to any country. That's an amazing benefit from a production point of view. So there's cost savings there. Obviously, the box can then be smaller. Those power bricks are usually quite thick. And you can imagine if the um, new iPhone came in a slim case, you, have, you can now fit more iPhones into a pallet, and that means lower shipping costs per unit. So this is what it's really for. To say it's environmental reasons, cool, but back it up. Show me that it's going to be across the board. Um, we will talk about the iPad as well. The iPad is shipping with a power brick, so they don't care about the environment when it comes to the iPad. And I actually think that's because of the voltage of the iPad, that it's not as simple as just plugging it into a USB port on your computer to really properly charge an iPad. And I think that's why not that they would actually say that. But we'll get, we'll get to the iPads towards the end. Uh, the other thing that they announced, I mean, I'm talking about these in the order that they were announced as well. So the other thing they announced here is Fitness Plus. This might be the best thing that they announced um, in this event. It might be the thing that should have been spoken about the most. So Fitness Plus is a service that will guide you through workouts um, on your TV, on your Apple TV, on your iPhone, on your iPad. And to me, this is quite game-changing for a lot of people. And I say that because during COVID-19, the amount of people who gravitated towards fitness apps or workout apps 
looked on YouTube to watch to follow videos, um, found signed up to different apps, paid a monthly fee, did whatever they could to stay active in their living rooms. Uh, Fitness Plus is now going to kill every single one of them for Apple users. Uh, not so much if you're an Android user; you have to still stick with whatever's out there. But uh, Fitness Plus. It's going to be $15 per month in Australia. I think it's $10 US. $15 per month in Australia. There is 10 different workout types. So from having no equipment, there's dance, there's yoga, there is floor exercises and things like that. But if you've got an exercise bike, you can imagine either doing that in front of a TV and following uh, a video that's been really well produced, really well um, executed to work with you and to work with your Apple Watch. Now, I say that because the Apple Watch data is going to synchronize across whatever device you are doing the workout on. So in the top left-hand corner, you'll see your active heart rate. You'll see your, your rings for the day. You'll know when you've closed your exercise ring. You'll be staring at the amount of calories that you've burned. This is an absolute fantastic way to integrate the whole experience from your fitness watch into the exercise you're doing and showing it to you. So yeah, again, I said cycling, they're doing a rowing one as well. There'll be ones for the treadmill. So you'll have these guided exercises where you can look at instructors, make sure you're doing the right thing and, uh, and have an amazing workout. This is really smart. Obviously, it will work fantastic with Apple Music as well as they start to bring tracks in, but that's not a mandatory feature. You don't have to have um, Apple Music as a service to use Fitness Plus. You could just probably play your own playlist. I'm sure there would be some slightly harder way of doing it, but it's, it doesn't require it, which is a nice thing. But Fitness Plus, I think this will dead set. Um, put some people out of business. And that's really what Apple does. And it's a very good at it where they do look at where trends are and they start to jump into those spaces. Uh, it's just a very common thing that they do. Rightfully so. Okay. Rightfully so. I think it's the right thing to do. Now, as we're talking about services, we'll also talk about one. Now, Apple one is this all-in-one style pack. So for a lot of people who are part of the Apple ecosystem, you will know that you can have an iCloud service. You could have a music service. You could have a TV Plus service. They've now obviously announced Fitness Plus. They've got the arcade uh, service for gaming. So you think about all of these things that you could be paying Apple for, it can certainly amount. It can certainly amount. So what Apple is doing is they're having a thing called One. I think this is just genius that if you're, a, if you're an Apple lover, you've got all these services with them, you can actually do it all under one plan. Now, in Australia, it starts from, I think it's like $20 per month up to $40 per month. The variation there is how many apps you have included or how many services you have included, and also how much storage they give you in the cloud as well. So um, something people really should be considering that if you are someone who subscribes to even one or two at most, you're probably going to find some really good value here. So I talked about Fitness Plus, that's $14.99. So if you only use one other service, and let's call it Music Plus, or Apple Music, then already it makes sense to jump onto Apple One. Now, the carrot to that from Apple's side is very smart because if you are then part of Apple One, even if you never used iCloud before, you now will start using iCloud because at minimum, they're giving you 200 gigs of storage, which means that you'll start to build that up. And then you're essentially going to be even further ingrained into the Apple ecosystem. So it's one of those things that you can go all in and get super married, or you can still think about what you're actually doing. And I would just caution on that, that if you love Apple, go all in, go save some money. But whatever you do, always have a backup strategy on how you're going to get out. You know, tra tra transferring music, no problem. Transferring to another fitness app, no problem. 
cloud stuff can be really fiddly to migrate away, migrate away from. So just be aware of that. Um, again, nothing wrong with it, but if you try and access iCloud on a PC or an Android device, extremely difficult. So if you ever are thinking about your ecosystem of devices, just make sure you're building around the right platform. So just a word of warning there. But again, people can be saving a lot of money by investigating uh, Apple One. So do take a look at that. Now, let's talk about the iPads because this is, this is again, quite interesting. Uh, two new iPads. One of them is just an eighth generation uh, iPad. Cool. It looks like every iPad you've ever seen. Big bezel, big home button. Uh, I don't know. The internal components have been updated. That's fantastic. This, is, this should have been called, they, well, they should rebrand the, this to the iPad SE. And I, after I start, was thinking in the shower today, what the heck does SE even stand for? We've got an iPhone SE, now we've got an Apple Watch SE. I don't know why they didn't call this iPad an SE as well, because they're, to me, they're simple additions. You know, they are um, backdated in terms of the design. The internal components are, are updated, but essentially they're simple. They're, they're not the one that you really want. Um, so I don't know why they do this, but the iPad 8th generation, yes, it's going to be the uh, more affordable model. If that's what you're looking to do is save some money, uh, I believe it starts at $499. So 500 bucks is your entry point on iPad. I'm calling it the SE. They also announced the iPad Air, a new iPad Air. This is a good change. So again, if you're interested in getting into tablets for the first time, um, or you're upgrading after an iPad Gen 1 or something like that, the iPad Air comes in colors. You can now get it obviously in usual uh, tones, but there is now a green, blue, and I think there was like an orangey pink type one. Um, much better performance, yada, yada, yada. But they're also adding Touch ID. And on an iPad that does not have a button on the front, how do you do that? Well, they're adding it into the power button. So the power button on the side of this iPad Air has Touch ID built in. Now, while you could have used Face ID to unlock the iPad, this is very smart because many people, whether it's from wearing masks or just getting fed up with Face ID, have always missed Touch ID. And for Apple to add that back in on the power button makes sense. I do think it's a nod as to what we're going to see in the iPhone 12. I do genuinely think that the iPhone 12 could follow suit and add Touch ID to the power button. Now, the good thing about the iPad Air, as I mentioned, there is no button on the front. The screen gets to stretch to much further close to the edges than the uh, eighth gen iPad does. The internal components are upgraded, but it's fair to say now that with the right accessories attached to the iPad Air, it can be a real productivity tool. Whether it's a pencil, whether it's a Bluetooth keyboard, uh, it's got the power to process video production. It's got the power to really edit photos. Um, and if you just want to do emails and stuff like that, the iPad's definitely going to kill it. No problem at all. Um, interestingly, I love this. Tim Cook gets up and, well, this is all in a very weird virtual way, but, you know, gets up and says, over 500 million iPads sold. And I couldn't stop thinking about the way McDonald's talk about their Big Macs. You know, they now have signs of like, a trillion Big Macs, a billion trillion Big Macs. Like, I, I get it. You're very successful. You, know, you, you do very well. Um, I think Jerry Seinfeld has a bit on this and it, around McDonald's, but Apple's become the new McDonald's for technology. 500 million iPads sold. Cool. I get it. People do sometimes buy other tablets, but yes, you guys are the big guys when it comes to tablets. I get it. Um, the other cool thing to add around the iPad Air is it's now got USB-C. Lightning is gone on the iPad Air. Not the iPad 8th gen, just the iPad Air. 
Um, and obviously the iPad Pro has that has USB-C as well. Fantastic move. Very good to see. Potentially another nod as to what we'll see in the iPhone 12. They may move to USB-C. This might just happen. It might just happen. We'll wait and see. So that's the iPad Air. That is going to be expensive though. That's $899. So you can see why there's a big gap between the one that you want and the SE, which is $499. So $400 difference. That hurts. That hurts a lot. So you can check them all out. They're all about to be on sale very, very quickly. I believe at the time you're listening to this, the Apple Watch will be on sale uh, and the iPads follow very shortly after. So pretty damn exciting. Lastly, the last thing to talk about from the Apple event, uh, and I think I've gone through most of the updates, but the last one is an update in itself. So if you do have an iPhone, an iPad, an Apple Watch, or an Apple TV, head into the settings section, if you haven't already, go into updates and update. Update your device because iOS 14, iPad OS 14, Watch OS 7, and TV OS 14 is now available and they add seriously good features. I think I've spoken about iOS 14 on this show before. Um, I love it. It's got widgets, which people want from Android. Um, it's now got suggested apps and it's got a beautiful app um, gallery, which I really enjoy using. And it's just a nice refresh. The new version of CarPlay looks better. You can now have backgrounds, so you can add a bit of color to your display in the car. Um, this is a great update. So if you are thinking that your phone looks old and shabby, these updates make everything better. They make everything look new again. And if you can't afford the iPhone 12 when it comes out, there's nothing wrong with that. Just go and get the updates because fortunately, if you do own an Apple device, you're being pretty well taken care of for at least four years, maybe more sometimes. So, you know, go ahead and do the updates. They are sensational. I will give you a quick word of warning. <laughs> the um, iOS 14 has changed the way the calls come in when you're already using your phone. So if you're scrolling through emails or Instagram or whatever it is, when a call comes in, it pops down like a toaster. Um, so a little like almost like a notification normally would. It doesn't take up the whole screen like it used to. And if you're scrolling and that call comes in, if you keep scrolling, it declines the call. It doesn't wait for you to sort of hit the decline button on the call. You could swipe and the whole thing just disappears and you've hung up on them or declined the call. So um, that caught me out once today that it wasn't on purpose. It's just that literally the thing popped down in, in the same stroke of me going up the screen and uh, I declined a call. So I felt very rude. I called them back immediately, even though I didn't know who it was. I just had to call them back and apologize for hanging up on them. So check them out. Go into the updates. They're free. Everything else costs money. Some of them cost a fair bit of money. Um, going forward, I'll be looking to get review units in some way, um, whether I beg for them and have to do whatever I got to do to make sure I have that relationship with Apple, maybe. Um, but again, I can buy them and return them. And that's an actual option that I can do. Um, so you'll, you'll hear from me. Uh, I know that uh, you know, places like the Australian or news.com are going to be interested in comparisons. So there'll be opportunities for me, to, for me to do that. And I'll be sure to come back to you all and tell you about them. If you do have any questions about anything that Apple has launched, please reach out to me. Uh, you know how to find me, whether it's through Instagram, Facebook, or email. I'm actually also so tempted to get to a point where I just give out a phone number. Um, just give out a phone number and you guys can text. Um, I'm thinking about doing that as well. So a few things to think about. Stay in touch, kids. Stay safe. Um, wear a mask if you have to. I don't know. I don't know. 
I, I tried. I'd rather stay home. Stay safe. Look after yourselves. And let me know what you think. Very, very curious. Let me know what you think. And again, if you haven't left a review of this show, you can go ahead and do that. Uh, my name is Jeff Quattromani. You've been listening to Technology Uncorked next week, an interview with Oppo and so much more to come. Thank you for listening. Speak soon. Bye-bye.